0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to everyone listening, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of the Well-Read Podcast. I am your host, Megan Bierke, aka The Real Bookish Writer. I am a reader, writer, bookseller, book festival-goer, and I am and always have been obsessed with genre fiction. While you're here, there will be two segments, a short one where I review the books I've read for the past week, and then a longer one which will consist of a one-on-one author interview. For those of you who are new here, I do want to do a quick disclaimer before we begin. One thing you will never hear from me on here is a bad review. Every single person has a different reaction to the same piece of work, and just because I might not like a book doesn't mean you might not love it. Plus, as a hopeful future author, I know how much time and effort goes into writing a book. I know how personal it is and how much strength it takes, and as such, I will never talk bad or poorly about someone else's work. I will never mitigate the courage it takes to put a personal creation out into this world. So if you've come here for bad reviews, this place isn't for you. But if you want to hear me gush about the books I love and talk to authors I greatly respect and admire, you've come to the right place. So now that I've gone over that, let's jump into the review portion of this episode. It was a slow reading week for me this past week, and the only book I finished was Together We Burned by Isabella Bañez. An ancient city plagued by dragons, a flamenco dancer determined to save her ancestral home. A dragon hunter refusing to teach her his ways. They don't want each other, but they need each other. And without him, her world will burn. This third book of hers is such a unique and interesting concept. There's a fiery and determined heroine, a reluctant grumpy love interest, which is my favorite, and many twists and turns. The Latin-inspired world Abania's created is rich and beautiful, and the story itself is very action-packed. It has magic, dragons, enemies to lovers, and is a very fun read. I do want to say that if you're triggered by animal death like I am, though, just be aware that there is explicit dragon killing in this book. But it is vital to the storyline, so just skim over it or skip ahead like I did. Other than that, I started two amazing books this past week, but wasn't able to finish them because I was preparing to travel to Ohio to see one of my best friends for the first time in person. We met about two and a half years ago during our master's program, which was online online and because we live across the country from each other and because of the pandemic and jobs and just life in general, we've never been able to meet. Fun fact, she is also my writing and critique partner and she is absolutely amazing. I can guarantee that you'll see her books in stores one day. Well, that's it for book reviews this week. It was a short one. So let's dive into our author interview. Our guest today is an incredible upcoming debut author whose young adult book, The Rosewood Hunt, is being published by HarperCollins on October 31st. Her love of storytelling grew during college, where she received her bachelor's in communications and media and a double minor in business management and the entertainment industry. She is invigorated by the process of starting with an idea and breathing life into it until it matches the vision in her mind. She has found a cozy nook in the space of young adult where she adores writing about fierce teens and the chaotic messes they get themselves into. And when she's not writing, she's usually winging her eyeliner, hanging out with her very cool family, or hunting down the best slice of pizza in town. Please welcome the incredible Mackenzie Reed. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, Mackenzie. I'm very excited to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So I'm just going to start off by asking how has it been going through the debut process
1: it has been such a wild time it's been really fun I feel like it's helped me so much as far as like connecting with other authors especially authors like I really admired and you know now I consider them friends which is so cool and I think also just connecting with readers like that's been the best part and having people read my book and genuinely like it. Like you have mentioned to me, it's so surreal and also just so like gratifying because I feel like I tend to write books that like I love first and foremost. And then I just kind of like cross my fingers, someone else will too. But seeing that it's happening is so nice. Well, I can confirm that I've read
0: it and that I'm absolutely
1: obsessed with it.
0: Uh, (laughs) I'm not normally like a mystery thriller kind of person. I prefer you know, romance and fantasy and there's some romance in it, but this book had me hooked from like chapter one. It's Yay. absolutely amazing. And I'm so impressed that it's your debut book because it's so freaking good. Like, I don't know <laughs> how you're going to get better from here. I don't know. I don't know where you're going to go from here. Cause honestly, I mean, it's amazing. Let's just hope I don't get worse. So <laughs> <laughs> you won't, I, if this is like your base, it, you are just, I can, I can't even imagine how incredible your career is going to be, because honestly, this book is fantastic. So, how long has it taken you, like time wise, from when you first started writing the Rosewood Hunt to now, when your book is going to be published on the thirty first, and kind of what does that process look like? How long has it kind of taken you to do certain things?
1: So, it will be almost exactly three years. I was thinking about it, and I first had the idea for the Rosewood Hunt in fall twenty twenty, and during that time, I. Like, it was just starting to take shape, um, but I was on submission with a different book at the time, so I wasn't quite, like, focused on it yet, and then I started drafting in the new year, so, like, early 2021, and then I had, like, um, pretty much a full year of editing, first with, like, critique partners and beta readers and then with my agent, and then we went on submission with it to editors, uh, very early 2022. I think it was, I remember it was the day after my birthday. It was February 8th. And I was just like, I hope, like, I hope this is a good sign because meanwhile, my first book, um, with my agent, that one didn't end up selling. So that was really hard. Cause I mean, that had felt like the book of my heart that had felt like the book and it was the book that got me an agent. So, you know, everybody who read the Rosewood hunt back then, And it was a bit different than the current one, of course, but everybody was like, oh my God, this book is like the book, like this is going to happen. And I was like, yeah, but I thought that about my last book. I kind of think that about every book, like I'm a little delusional, so I don't know. But it turned out it really was because it was on sub for a very short amount of time before my agent called me and said, we have an editor really interested And then we got an offer from that editor. We got an offer from another major publishing house. And then, you know, there was some back and forth negotiations. And then I ended up accepting the HarperCollins offer. Um, I think it was like very early April in 2022. So then I had, I spent pretty much the rest of spring and summer doing edits on the Rosewood Hunt and a bit changed, actually, not like a ton. It's always been what it is. Um, And then... Yeah, now we're here and now it's really like about to come out, which I like about to come out. I feel like I've been saying that for a long time, but being in October, it's wild. And the fact that it's coming out on Halloween,
0: I don't know why, but it just makes sense for the book. You know what I mean? I don't Uh, know. It's just, it's such a good release date for you to have, I feel like. But how did you come up with the idea for The Rosewood Hunt?
1: I, it was a few things really. It was, um... I really at the time was so into like shows like Outer Banks. Like I watched that show and it like changed my life because I feel like something about it harnesses a lot of fun and adventure. And I think for a really long time, I felt like you could only write stories like that if they're middle grade. And for some reason, like, sometimes people don't think that, like, translates to YA. And I just had this stubbornness of, like, no, I just watched a show with teenagers who are, you know, there's found family, there's banter. It's a different setting, of course. And, you know, there's a lot of differences. But I was, like, the core is there. And I feel like this could be, you know, I would love to see more YA books like this show. So naturally I just felt like I was like reading everything I could I read the inheritance games and the more I read the more I wanted more and I was like well I'm gonna start writing it and at the time I was going on a lot of walks because it was the pandemic and I would walk past this rose garden like every day and it was just like full of roses and I've never been like a rose person even (laughs) like I wouldn't say it was my favorite flower or anything but Um, this town just kind of started to take shape that was like covered in flowers and um, you know we have the namesake Rosewoods which of course is our main character Lily and then the other big thing that influenced it was at the time again I was reading the Inheritance Games which is fantastic I love being able to use that as a comp title and then Knives Out was really big And I felt like a lot of media at the time that was dealing with fortunes was dealing with like a fortune being like bestowed upon somebody. And in my head, I was like, well, if that was my family fortune and like some stranger is coming in, I'd be like, "Mm, I'm going to go hunt it down myself. So that was also kind of how Lily Rosewood bloomed because she was like this girl who was you know, her grandma left her clue and she's like, I'm going to follow it. And this is mine. And, you know, obviously part of her arc is learning that you can share and you can learn to depend on others, of course. But I had just felt like I really wanted to see a story from the perspective of somebody like literally in the family. Mm-hmm. How much of yourself do you see in Lily? <laughs> <laughs> and this question always gets me. I think she's... I feel like I'm more shy, but I think we're both really ambitious. Um, I think we tend to like see or think of things we want and we just like figure out a way to get it and either for better or worse, you know, sometimes you get something you go for and then you're like, "Mm, did I really want it that badly all along? Or is it really what I needed all along? Um, she's definitely more fashionable than me, but like, I love her for that. And I want to be like that. Like she's very into sewing and, you know, very, again, I think it ties into her ambitious nature. She's like, fine. Like I can't find clothes I like or that fit me. I'll make them myself. So honestly, she's like more of the person I'd love to be. <laughs> I I appreciate that. and I like that you can you're
0: like no she's way more fashionable than me I I appreciate the self-awareness there (laughs) yeah she's cool she's too cool for me (laughs) when you started writing you know even in your previous book that you initially got your agent with did you know right off the bat that you wanted to do young adult like was that just what you knew you wanted to do
1: I did. And I don't even remember having like a thought process about it. I just think I started writing. And I think some of it is I started writing as a young adult. So like my first book series. So the book I got my agent with wasn't my first book. Before that, I've written a few, and one was a trilogy. And that was like the first thing I wrote. It was um a contemporary fantasy, I guess it's portal fantasy, I'd say. Um so again I tried to get an agent with that but it was at the time where everybody's like nobody wants portal fantasy and I was like fine. So it didn't work out but um I just remember writing that and I started that book in high school and then I took it more seriously in college like I'd say college was when I buckled down and was really like writing it I'm going to finish this and then I started figuring out the publishing side but I think because I was like a young adult I mean, I feel like a young adult now, but I know I'm not the target demographic anymore. Um, I think the voice came so naturally to me. And then since then, I just, it's kind of like all I've ever known. And it really wasn't until up until like this year where now I like even start having ideas where I'm like, hmm, maybe that would be a good adult book or like, maybe that would be a good middle grade book. Whereas before, I just feel like every idea, I was like, that's a YA book. That's a YA book. That's a YA book. So yeah, I guess I'd say YA has always definitely called me from the start, but I definitely believe in the potential of like branching out. I'm branching out. When you started writing The Rosewood Hunt, did
0: you know that it was going to be like a mystery thriller? Because there are so many, that's one of the reasons why I love this book is that there's so many different facets to the book like it's not just a mystery or thriller you know Mm -hmm. it's not just romance there's so many different genres that it pulls from which is one of the reasons why I think it's so interesting because it it doesn't just fit one niche Mm -hmm.
1: but
0: you know did you know though that this mystery and this thriller part of it was going to be the biggest kind of one that you were going to pull from
1: when you started writing it I think so well yes and no so I found out that um through drafting the book I just finished I really even though I write mysteries the mystery comes last for me like I figure out the mystery as I go it's like the one thing I really can't plot like I need to write the book and then somehow it like works out I don't really know how but it just tends to um so I think for me it was I love like the thriller aspect most. And I love anything that's like high stakes. I love adventure. So I think that's where some of the genre blending comes in. Because to me, adventure is still like humor, romance, you know, it's not like strictly thriller. But I think that's just going to happen with like all my books, like even my book before this that didn't sell on sub. That was the reason it didn't sell. It was too genre blending. And then I just remember when I was writing The Rosewood Hunt, I was like, I'm going to give them a book that is clearer where it would go because it's going to have like a good marketing face to it. But like inside, it's still going to like hold all the things that I want it to hold, you know? But yeah, I feel like Thriller just kind of comes at the forefront for me because I love like situations that are like ridiculously high stakes, you know, like life or death and Anything where the angst, like the romance side of angst, where it's like, I could really lose that person. And when you're writing like young adult contemporary, unless you're writing like fantasy, I feel like, you know, it has to have like a thriller edge for it to make sense to have those plot points. I know that you said that like the mystery portion
0: necessarily Mm kind of comes as you're writing. But the thriller part of it, that high-stakes stuff, do you did you plot that out or did that just kind of happen as you started writing?
1: A little bit of both for sure. Like with the Rosewood Hunt, I always knew. Well, I, I guess I almost said a spoiler. I don't know, I don't know if I can do <laughs> spoilers in here, but I'll try not to. But I always knew, you know, you have to have an opposing an opposing force. And that's true for any book. Like even contemporary, obviously, you're going to have opposing forces but with the rosewood hunt I kind of chose the ones I did who end up being like kind of the antagonists because I knew it would give it that thriller edge that warrants like those feelings that the characters have of like am I gonna make it out of this alive? like you know is this worth it whereas and those were all kind of plotted from the beginning and it was different I will say it was different and that was one of the things I had to change once I got my publishing deal, I had to change the ending a little bit. And this is all really vague, so I'm sorry. It's like, you know, weird or like confusing. But I will say that element was always there of having like from the very beginning having antagonists that make it into the thriller. It is. You have to read the book to know what I mean. <laughs> you real, you do, and it's and it's worth it because
0: I'm trying to I'm trying to think about it. And same thing, I don't want to give spoilers because when this releases, it'll be a week before you actually, you know, get to see your book on a shelf. Did you know that found family was going to play a big part in this as well? Because that is a huge, that's a huge crux of this book is found family. And like you said, learning that you can rely on others that you can ask for help. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Did Did you know that that was going to be a huge thing going in as well?
1: Originally, like back when I made the pitch in the very, very beginning, I thought it would be much more Knives Audi where it's like, there's like a main family focus. And that's not saying there isn't, you know, more of a main family focus as well. But I didn't anticipate having like I feel like I can say their names because I've mentioned them on social media, but like Miles and Quinn and Caleb, who are some of the other teenagers who come into the story in various ways, I didn't, they like weren't, I don't remember when they joined the plot, but I just remember when they did, it was during the first draft at least, because like a lot of the story has remained the same from draft to draft, and the core four teenagers have definitely um remained the same, but I feel like for me, everything starts usually with like the main character, which is Lily. Like Lily's always been Lily. And then, you know, the love interest. I always know who that is ahead of time. But then sometimes it takes me a little bit to not so much figure out the other characters, but figure out why they matter and why they're in the story. How was writing the romance aspect of it? Again, I'm trying not, I
0: don't want to give anything away, but how was you know, putting this romance in, in between all this, all these kinds of other things that are going on. How was writing that and figuring that out and making sure that certain characters, we'll just go with that, certain characters have that kind of tension and that growth?
1: Yeah, it was, I love romance. So for me, those are always my, like, what we say, like magic cookie scenes, which are the scenes you like have in your head from the very beginning. And you basically write toward those scenes. And There's some scenes that like totally surprised me though. Like, you know, again, like out of context scene, there's that ballroom scene. And I knew like something had to happen there, but it wasn't until I was writing the scene that it just like totally came together and like clicked into place. So it's like, I know where certain beats belong. Like, you know, where it would be good for, like, a kiss scene to happen or, you know, perhaps, like, a betrayal or, you know, just, like, little things that make up the story. But sometimes it's not till I'm writing them that I have, like, a very clear idea of, like, what's actually going down, what's actually being said. And sometimes at that point, I've gone over it so many times in my head that there's, like, so many different versions of how the romance pans out that, then it's really up to me being like, all right, which lane am I taking with it? Oh, Oh, were you on a timeline when
0: you started drafting this? Because I know that you said that you had a book that you got your agent with, and then that didn't go to sub or whatnot. Were you, did your agent say, okay, so let's do another book. You got to start now. And like, within six months, you know, give me a draft or how did that process work?
1: So thankfully my agent has never been super, I do know some agents are like that. Mine has never been super like deadline specific. Um, And what happened was, so I, when we put that, my first book on sub during that time, I had already started writing a different book when I got agented. So I finished that other book. And then I was like debating sending it to my agent. And then there was just something like inside me that was like, don't send this to your agent. Like (laughs) you, this like, I think the thing was, is we were getting like responses back from editors about that first book. And I just knew that if that book wasn't gonna sell, then the book I just wrote wasn't gonna sell either. Cause I just could tell from then what the stronger book was. So I pitched my agent, The Rosewood Hunt, and she loved it, and she was just like, "Yeah, go for it. This sounds great." We had a couple things we went back and forth on. Because um, originally I was gonna have the book have a curse, which obviously would have like totally changed up the genre. And she was like, mm, "I don't think so. Like, you don't need a curse." <laughs> um, so I was like, "Okay, fine." So yeah, but I didn't have a deadline, and back then I wrote every day, but I don't think I even had made like a self-imposed deadline either. I was just kind of like, well, we'll see like how it goes. And because I was on sub, there's a lot of like, hardship that comes mentally with that. So I think it also just took me a long time to like, remember how to write and remember, I knew how to write. Because as I was getting rejections for the other book, you know, I kept having this idea of I could just be writing another book that's just going to face rejections. And like, what's the point? But I do really think, you know, you just have to keep writing and keep going and, you know, to answer your original question, I didn't really have a tight deadline, but I just was trying to work through it because I had a feeling the other book wouldn't end up selling and I wanted to make sure we had something else that we could, you know, put out soon.
0: What did your writing process look like for The Rosewood Hunt? And then how has that changed from The Rosewood Hunt to the one that you're currently Working on or the one that you just finished?
1: So different, and (laughs) I hate it. Like I'm a formula person, so I'm always of the opinion that if like something works for one book, to me, it does not click. Why it wouldn't work for every book? But just books are so like scarily sentient. Like they all need their own like little, you know, formula and like growing up. So with the Rosewood Hunt, I created what's called a scene book. Um, which was inspired by my friend Rachel Moore, who did that for one of her books as well. And basically I blocked every single scene, which granted like a lot of them changed, but it helped make drafting so like much easier. And then with this new book, this one was a lot different because I was writing it and like I had to get the idea approved first by my editor, but I also needed to give my editor like an outline for it. So with this book I had to write more of an outline first. Um and I always do the save the cat like beat sheet type of things for all my books which always just turns into like a 15-page outline. So I sent that but yeah, I will say this newest book I wrote has is like the most like unorthodox uh process I've ever done cuz it was like I sent like a pitch for it. Then I sent like a longer pitch, but it wasn't quite an outline. I made myself an outline, but it was so chaotic. I didn't send that. Probably should have. I wrote the like entire synopsis, did not read it once I went to draft. And then after I finished drafting, I wrote an actual synopsis and then sent that to my editor. So it's been quite, yes, very different from the Rosewood (laughs)
0: Really quick, I want to go back to, you were talking about Save the Cat, The Beat Sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain what that is? Because it's a fantastic book if you are a writer. Like it's Absolutely. Like, a, like a Bible, I swear for a lot of writers. But can you mm-hmm. kind of explain what that is and how you utilize that for The Rosewood Hunt?
1: Yeah. So Save the Cat, um, I believe the one I've always used is like Save the Cat Writes a Novel. I also know that Save the Cat writes a young adult novel just came out and I have it I haven't read it yet but I believe it's Jessica Brody and she wrote it and basically it's like a dissection of what essential plot beats need you know, need to be in a book, depending on who you are. But for me, I do think they need to be. And it's broken down into like a three-act structure. Now, I actually switch it up and do four acts, but that's just like my brain hating act two, and it's already too long. So if I con myself into thinking it's two separate acts, it's helpful. But anyway, and so yeah, so you'll have like, you know, your opening image in act one, the catalyst, like the debate, and then you have, you know, your break into Act Two, the B, you know, story, and basically all these like different plot points that once you learn like the structure of it, you can almost pick it out in like any, you know, piece of media. Like I, I like can't even watch a movie sometimes without being like, oh, there's the Dark Knight of the Soul scene, <laughs> or you know, which is when the character is like at their absolute lowest. So I just think for writers, it's like a great resource if you're interested and. In- you know, just furthering, like, your understanding of story structure, because that was something I did not know, and even though I know it now, I still wouldn't say I'm great at it, but I still need those, like, parameters.
0: Yeah, it's, thank you for kind of going over that, because it is, it's a fantastic book, and like you said, it's, it's pretty prevalent in a lot of, not only books, but in a lot of different form of media, so thank you for explaining yeah. that. <laughs> With The Rosewood Hunt, I know you just got your finished copies or your author copies not that long ago, and they're freaking gorgeous. You can't see them, but they are, they're glossy and they're beautiful and they're big and they're absolutely gorgeous. How was it? How was it opening that box and seeing like your first published book for the first time?
1: I was so nervous. I don't know why I was so nervous, but I... I got the box and the box, like I was going to the grocery store and I step outside and the boxes are there and I knew they would come eventually, but I didn't think they would come so soon. So I like dragged them inside and then I just kind of tried to forget about them because I had to like work that day. And then I was sitting there about to open them and um, I didn't receive any like physical advanced copies of my book. So of course I knew what the cover looked like, but I'd never seen it in person. I didn't know if it would be glossy or matte. I didn't know if there'd be like any specific detailing. I didn't even know what color the hardcover would be, (laughs) Um, but which it's literally black, which makes sense because that's the color of the cover. But still, I was like so nervous about it. And then when I opened it and I was holding it in my hands, I was just like, this is perfect. Like, it makes you realize that this book could have looked like anything and I would still love it. Like, I love the cover and just like holding it, like all the little things I was stressing about. Like, you know, like I said, like if it was glossy or matte or whatever, like it did like nothing matters. I was just holding it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is mine. And I like, carry- <laughs> this is so... um. Silly, but I like carry one with me whenever I like go out now. I like put it in my little bag with my computer and it just like sits in there while I'm at a coffee shop writing. I don't know. <laughs> but that's such a cute that's such a
0: cute little thing, though. Like, this is my baby, this is what I worked my butt <laughs> off for. Like it's here,
1: it's supporting me. I know I can do this. That's I really like that idea. Yeah. I'm not I don't lie. know. It's just like moral support. I don't know what I'm waiting for. I don't know if I'm waiting for somebody to like notice me sitting in a cafe writing and being like are you an author and then I can be like yeah but I don't know it's just there just there to make me happy
0: well if I ever see you out in public I'm gonna be like Mackenzie hey I know you oh my goodness you're the author of the rosewood hunt I know you have a copy in there
1: oh my god <laughs> you'd be right
0: <laughs> and you'd be right so are you getting excited for Your big release that's on the thirty first.
1: Are you gonna do anything special? Have you kind of planned anything out? Yeah, I'm so excited for it. Um, my friend Rachel Moore, who is the author of The Library of Shadows, she's actually flying up to my city, um, Rochester, New York, and we're doing like a little launch party. And it's at one of my local Barnes and Nobles, which is huge. It's a two story Barnes and Noble. It's like I did not expect it to like get an event there. So I feel super fortunate and that'll be right on Halloween. Um, And I was really nervous because obviously being Halloween, I'm like, I get if people can't come, you know, and they're trick or treating, but it's almost sold out. So it- it's free. That's awesome. we needed, you know, a headcount to like RSVP. So yeah, I'm really excited for it. I think it'll be great. We're going to just like talk about books and the Rosenhut and life. And we both like read each other's books from their earliest stages. So it's just super special. And then we'll have a little Q&A and then people um, can, you know, wait to get their book signed by us. So it'll be really fun. That's and then after exciting. that, I'm actually going to go to New York City for just a really quick stint. Um, And I will probably go sign some copies around there and uh, do a little stuff with my publisher, which I'm really excited for because I've never been to HarperCollins. And then I have a few other events that are cool, but have not been announced yet. So (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah. So don't talk about those yet because I don't want to get you in trouble.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's okay.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's got to be so exciting. Knowing that this thing that you've worked for for several years is finally going to be out in the world and that- People are going to be able to see it and hold it in their hands. That's got to be, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. You mentioned that Rachel Moore, right, mm-hmm. is your kind of critique partner, that she's also been an author that you guys, you know, uh, go back and forth with your drafts. How important is it to have a critique partner that understands you, understands your vision? Like how much of a role did she play kind of in the revising process, especially?
1: So important. And so what's funny is Rachel actually is like part of the reason this book got written because we're in a writer's group and she had dropped this little like generator thing in where it gives you like five words and then you need to create like a pitch off of it and it was just a writing exercise And it was from that generator that I created the pitch for the Rosewood Hunt. And then everybody everybody in the group was like, Mackenzie, this sounds really good. You should like write it. And I was like, yeah, maybe I will. And here we are. Um, So that's kind of a very like origin story thing. But it's so important. I think what's great is, you know, her and my other like part critique partners and beta readers. I'm someone who loves getting feedback. And also I need it in like a compliment sandwich. (laughs) So I think just finding somebody who really matches your feedback style is great because sometimes, and this has happened to me, sometimes you can find people who have great feedback, but if it's delivered in a way that just like breaks you down with like nothing else, kind of pad it, it can just you know, writing is such like a demoralizing thing sometimes and you can face so much rejection that I don't think that rejection should ever be coming from, you know, critique partners or early readers because, you know, your book isn't at its best then. You know it, they know it. It's about like how they can help you get it to a point where, you know, then it's ready to get critiqued by somebody else who's not them. So it was, it is so huge. And her vision is so good. Cause I think we have really complementary um, like strengths and weaknesses. And she's so good when it comes to like world building and like atmosphere. And sometimes I just like, I love banter and dialogue and, um, you know, character emotions, like a lot of like character work. And sometimes I feel like that's my whole book. And I need someone to be like, this scene was great, but like, where are they? Or like, what's it look like there? Or like, what do they look like? And I'm like, oh, you don't just like see that? That's like in my head, but you don't see that? So it's so helpful having like fresh eyes on it because to me, everything's a movie. And then forgetting that not everybody can see the same movie as me helps me make sure in my writing and putting down the things that paint that full image and not just like part of one. What
0: is something that you've learned that you didn't realize initially about the debut process about the publishing process like what's something now looking back on where you're like I had no clue that this was going to happen I had no clue this was part of it and now you're like you just you know when you're kind of prepared for it in the future
1: Uh, a few things um I think my biggest thing is the event aspect of it I definitely thought that like somebody else did (laughs) um but you know, when I was talking with my publisher, they're like, no, like, you know, uh, usually we find it's easiest if, like, uh, are our authors kind of connect with their own bookstores and all of that, so I've been doing that a lot, and it is just, you know, I don't want to say difficult, because, like, bookstore owners are amazing, and so many are so receptive to, like, working with you, but, like, the logistics of planning it is so much harder than I thought, like, technically you should usually try and plan events within like the first week because it helps with first week sales I didn't know that so a lot of my events are just kind of sprawled throughout like the month of November but I'm like you know what it's my first rodeo I'm learning um and then same with like expenses like because I'm the one planning it I'm also the one kind of in charge of the expense side of it so for me I'm looking at it like look this is my first book like I might as well go all out within reason but you know then you kind of start really doing it and you're like hmm, it does add up like I guess it would have been helpful to like know you know more of this before and what it might look like but I'm still really grateful I'm so grateful to every bookstore that like wants to have me for an event I've had some reach out to me, which takes like an enormous pressure off. So I appreciate that so much as well, but definitely is one of the more difficult aspects, especially for someone like me who just in general, I have such a hard time, like putting myself out there sometimes, which I know is probably hard to believe taken. I never shut up online, but I really do struggle with it. How has
0: it been? because you mentioned that you also have a different job. How has it been trying to manage, you know, working your regular job to your writing job? Cause that's what it is now. You know, it's, it's your, it's a job for you. Right. How have you, how have you been able to kind of reconciliate both of those into not being busy and exhausted <laughs> and overstimulated and overwhelmed all the time?
1: Wow. Um, <laughs> Some days I think I'm good at it and some days I'm really not. And I honestly really struggled a lot throughout the month of September because I had like my day job. I had my job of promoting the Rosewood Hunt, which is like totally a job. The amount of time I spend on Canva, if I was getting paid for that, I would be so rich right now. But then I had a sneaky third job, which was drafting this new book. And it was a really tight deadline. Like I've never, you know, needed to draft a book in a month before, because again, I didn't have a deadline with the Rosewood hunt. So it was definitely like a bit of a wake up call. And, and also for anybody listening, like drafting a book in a month for book two, if you're on contract, isn't a normal situation either. I had like a very unique situation, but I don't want anyone to get scared and be like, oh no, like this means I will only ever have one month to draft a book. Like, no. Or I hope not. Um, but yeah, it was really hard. And like something I really struggle with is like I'm a person who like really depends on like staying active and going for walks. Like I'm a big proponent of like a little hot girl mental health walk every day. And unfortunately in September that like really suffered because I just did not have time. And because of it, you know, then I felt bad about myself or I felt bad, you know, about just, again, like mentally. So it is really hard. And I think what I would say, I don't think I had like a choice in September. (laughs) So I, you know, made the choices I did and I don't regret it because I wrote a book that I'm really happy about and I got to send it to my editor. But I do think like in the future, I'd love to figure out a system where you know, I'm only juggling two things at one time, which is like day job and promoting or like day job and writing a new book. And again, like nobody was holding like anything to my head, like forcing me to do this, but I wanted to do it and get it all done. Um, And I don't regret it, but you know, you live and you learn.
0: (laughs) You live and you learn. How did you protect and work on your mental health throughout that process, especially with September. Cause like you said, the things that you normally would do to keep you active, to keep you kind of going, you couldn't really do. So how did you protect and work on your mental health during, during this process?
1: I think I, I think in a weird way, my mental health tends to be best when I'm writing a new book, because I feel like I'm one of those people where like I can only ever spend one foot in the real world, if that makes sense. Like half of me always needs to be like semi in a fantasy world or something. So whenever I'm writing a new book, as like draining and taxing as that was, it was also fun. Like I hadn't written something new in so long that like falling in love with characters, it's like this weird, you know, form of like therapy almost for me, where even though it's hard, even though sometimes the words didn't come, it just felt good to know I was doing it. And I think that really helped. Um, but now it's almost like in the aftermath is when I have to like protect my mental health and be like, okay, don't overthink, you know, what people are going to think of book two. Don't overthink what people are going to think of the Rosewood hut. I kind of, am just always trying to like work on something new within reason while also trying to avoid burnout so that I'm not, you know, going into like mental tailspins. And like I said, like if I can't go on walks or whatever, which also helps me get out of my head, then sometimes I like read or I try to get into a TV show or just something that like can kind of refill the well, but isn't the same as writing and reading.
0: What piece of advice would you give someone who is going through writing their first book Like, is there something that you learned or something or some other advice that you have been given that you would just say, look, you know what, whether it's just get it down on the page, push through it, or don't give up, you know, you're going to get rejection. It's part of the, you know, it's a part of the industry. Like, what's a piece of advice you would give to someone who's writing their very first book?
1: I think it would be like, truly, you have to finish it. And you can't, I don't think you can pass judgment on a book until you finish it because I feel like when you're in the midst of writing, it's so easy to just be very stuck on like the specific parts of it. Like like I'll be honest, I don't like writing beginnings. Like I, I don't even love the first half of books a lot of the time, but I love the second half. And it's like, I simply have to push through the second half so that I can write a banging, like push, push through the first half. So I can write a banging second half And then I'll go back and fix the first half. So it, you know, matches energy and is just, you know, in my opinion, is as good as I feel like the second half is. But if I stopped writing in the first half, I would never get to that second half. So I really think you just have to keep going, even if you think it's bad, even if you think nobody will ever read it but you, even if, you know, there's so much going on in the publishing landscape all the time of like querying being really tough and you know, editors being, like, highly selective, and I think it's really easy to let things like that get in your head, but I always, like, I think about this in a joke, but I think about it all the time, is, you know, that quote from The Office that's, like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, like, Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky, or, you know, flip it, I think. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, it's a joke, but I, that like is in my head all the time. I'm like, it's true. Like if you don't try and you don't finish and you don't, you know, you can always fix it. That's what revisions are for. Um, and I just think that's kind of the beautiful thing about writing is like, you can always fix it and you can always go back to it and you can always set it aside and go back to it. You know, I think it's one of the very few like creative endeavors that like, you're never going to just like ruin something and not be able to go back to it.
0: It's it's not like a painting where you start right. it and you get halfway through, you're like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely horrible. I have to start right. again. You know, you right. can't go or back like, and necessarily if fix it.
1: You, if you like add a little thing to a painting and then you're like, oh my God, like the vision just was not there. Like I ruined it. With books, it's like, especially with Google Docs, you can go find a past version and just revert the doc. Like I've done it. So I, I feel like it's as high stakes as it seems. It's relatively low stakes, which is nice. How do you get
0: through those moments where just something is not working, you know, and whether it's you recognize that there's something in the story that isn't working and you can't push forward or whether or not you have writer's block where you're just like, the words are just not coming. The story is just not coming for me right now. How do you kind of work through that? Because it's interesting because every single person's process is a little bit different on how Mm -hmm. they handle it. So I'm interested to hear how you kind of handle it.
1: So I do a thing that I'm pretty sure everybody advises you not to do. So I guess tread with caution, but I'll go like reread a previous chapter or sometimes even a bit like with this newest book when I did get to kind of the ending I just like did not know where it was going and that's so unique for me because like I said I really like endings, so I usually know what's supposed to happen but I started like halfway through the book and just was like reading it through and at least for me sometimes having that little time away since drafting like something a week ago is enough for me to look back on it and be like oh like this isn't as bad as I thought. And, you know, here's a bunch of things I already forgot about. <laughs> and then it also creates this kind of momentum, I feel like, because when you're in the midst of drafting, sometimes you don't feel that build up. But when you go back to like reread it, I think it can be helpful because you're just reading it and then you get to the stopping point And it's like, wait, like, I didn't write more. And it's like, no, you're the writer. You have to be the one to write more. <laughs> like, if you want to read more, you have to write more, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of how I do it another thing I do which again feels like oddly specific to me is I'm really visual and a lot of times I will like (laughs) I'll like get up and pace around my room and like act out the scene in my head and I just know and that just gets me like jazzed like it gets my like zoomies out but it also makes me like super excited to write and when I'm not, when I get to a point in one of my stories, and I'm not feeling that excitement, I'm, I've, now I'm starting to realize it's because my like zoomies are gone, (laughs) you know, like, I'm not excited. I'm not feeling it. I don't have like an adrenaline rush or anything. So sometimes, again, I kind of like stand up, walk around, think about, you know, a golden cookie scene, even if it's not the one I'm writing, because let's be honest, usually the scenes we drag on are the ones we don't, really want to write to begin with and but I just kind of try and gain that momentum again
0: okay and I'm gonna talk about you know from the very beginning where you you know you're coming up with the book ideas to Mm -hmm. the very end where your book is finally getting published what Mm -hmm. is your favorite and least favorite I guess not piece of the process if that makes sense like some people hate editing some people hate those first drafts like what's your favorite and what's your least favorite
1: part I I don't know if this is a cop-out but I think my favorite is like the brainstorming part where like the very beginning when a story is starting to come together and it's all like vibes and like aesthetics and a Pinterest board and you know and you're still like really trying to figure out who everyone is. I love that because again it's so visual. I think my least favorite part is drafting (laughs) because it's uh, again, like, I hate not having something to work with. Um, But yeah, I, I, I like revising. I guess if I had to pick a favorite that wasn't, like, the brainstorming favorite, I'd say revising because I like the idea that you're, like, always making something a little bit better. But drafting is my least favorite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, drafting is... Hands down, the least favorite. Yeah. Okay. So like
1: to remember, too. I'm like, I don't even remember what a character looks like from page 20 to page 300. And then I need to scroll back to page 20. Like, it's a mess.
0: I feel like I need to have a notebook of just everything that is, okay, not everything, but, like, important but not really important pieces that yeah. will happen or will carry on to a later chapter because right now I have post-its all over like all over my freaking office (laughs) and I'm like oh my god like how old was he when this happened oh crap Mm -hmm. no he wasn't this oh crap okay well if he was this old how old is his sister again like oh my goodness I can never freaking remember like those tiny tiny pieces yeah me too I I I need to I need to do I need I feel like I need to do a book at this point just have yeah no I need to see I want to see all your notes like how you organize
1: everything (laughs) it's okay what's so funny is this book too um it had there were a lot of different like renditions of it that we did and like honestly it is not the same book as like the original book I pitched but it I used like a lot of the same characters you know it's like one of those things but I have so many brainstorming talks it's like xxx title brainstorm xxx title synopsis xxx title outline xxx title outline new xxx (laughs) title synopsis new like it's just like all these different tags and i'm like could i have not figured out a way to just keep them all in one apparently not
0: right to just kind of consolidate it down to one thing because i'm the same way i like having every single thing in a different whether it's a different post-it note a different doc i like Mm -hmm. having them separated because if not it gets too like confuddled in my brain. So I I understand that. I a hundred percent understand that. How many, how many ideas do you technically have kind of like written down, like, or floating around in your brain for book ideas in the future? How many do you currently, do you think you have?
1: Such a great question. I write all my ideas in my notes app. And I think at the moment I have like, oh my gosh this is such a fantastic question because I'm like what makes an idea like an idea worthy of I'd say I probably have four that I like would really like to write eventually and in my brain I'm trying to figure out what order the four actually I lied I have six but <laughs> <laughs> There are some of them I just know I can't write or, you know, it's not so much I can't write them, but I just know they wouldn't fit with what I'm currently writing at the moment. And then there are some that are in, I have an adult idea. I want to write so badly, but it is like quite out of pocket. It's the type of thing where I'll have to pitch it to my agent and have like a little disclaimer that's like, stay with me. (laughs) Um... So yeah, fantastic question. I've never gotten that one before. Yeah, because at least
0: with me, and like, obviously I haven't published a book, you know, it's just, I write stuff on, you know, in Scrivener. But like, right, it counts. That's what I'm going with. Valid. Like Like, inspiration comes at random, random times Mm -hmm. for the most random things. And I always wanted to ask someone that like, okay, well, how many ideas do you actually think that you have you know, kind of stored away in your brain. Cause it's not like, okay, you come up with an idea and then six months later, the book is published. Like it's a right. huge long process. And like you, like you've talked about drafts change, you know,
1: mm-hmm. different
0: things change. So I always, I always wanted to ask you that. So I'm I'm glad you And answered. honestly, Thank if you.
1: we're talking like ideas in general, there's probably like 20, I'm more <laughs> like six when it comes to ones that like could potentially be seen all day but I'm the same way like one of the adult idea I want to publish really badly or right next it was born of I thought of the title first or I don't even know if it would stay the title um because for anyone who doesn't know a lot of times your title might change once you get a book deal I was lucky mine didn't but for some people it does and <laughs> yeah so this one book I have just started with the title and I just figured out the whole book based on that one title. And I was like, this title's too good. Like, I need to write a book for it. You're like, I have to.
0: This has to become a thing <laughs> at some point. I yeah. appreciate that. Okay. So let's, we're going to transition to rapid fire questions. Like I okay. said before, you know, before we started recording, rapid yeah. fire does not necessarily mean quick. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: what is your favorite genre to read?
1: I would say thrillers. I, I have a short attention span these days and they keep me hooked.
0: Who's your favorite author that writes thrillers?
1: Oh my gosh. There are so many good ones. I love Diana Urban. She has some of my favorites. I think her most recent book, Lying in the Deep, um, which is like a thriller set on a cruise ship. That was really good, but I've been following her since the very start and now she just announced her fourth book, Under the Surface. So I just will literally read every single thing she writes.
0: Very nice. Okay. So if you could write one trope that you haven't written already, what would it
1: be? I probably would have said academic rivals to lovers, but I think I just wrote that. Um, maybe I'm trying to think, I feel like I would say like a true enemies to lovers. I know some people say the roseman hunt is enemies to lovers. Um, I let them say it but I'm not I don't agree <laughs> totally you know it just depends how honestly it just depends I feel like it depends if you're an internet enemies to lovers person or like not because on the internet I think it's always more like knife to throw you know like literally like they are trying like, to kill you literally I person. will kill you yeah which point. is like, not I, happening I, for anyone I, <laughs> confused in the rosewood hunt but um Yeah, I would love to write like a true, true Enemies to Lovers someday.
0: Do you ever see yourself writing something like a fantasy or anything like that? Or do you think you'll stay to kind of contemporary for a while?
1: I would love to write fantasy. I think about it a lot and I do have some ideas. Um, Personally, I'm so in awe of fantasy authors because if I can barely keep things straight in contemporary where half of it is in my own world... I don't know how I would do it in like a big world but yeah as I mentioned my first trilogy was a fantasy and I love with fantasy how you bend the rules and I miss that you know with contemporary like it's like oh this this character gets hurt they either die now or I need to figure out a way to make sure they're okay but I miss some of the like magic loopholes and my fantasy obviously everybody's fantasy worlds are different
0: but well and see I have a huge respect for people who write contemporary whether it's mystery thriller whatever it is because you have to abide by rules that we know you know what I mean like you're writing in the world that we currently live in and so you can't go off and do certain things and you have to really focus and make sure your book you know kind of stays in line with what we know and I'm the complete opposite I'm a cop-out I love writing fantasy because I can make up all my own stuff and I don't have to, I don't have to pay attention to that so I'm always in awe of people who write really good contemporary fiction because it I just honestly I don't know if I could do it I really don't so
1: I feel like that's why I like setting my places even though it's contemporary like Rosetown is fictional obviously and um the area-ish in my new book is also fictional and I just feel like again like I can make it in the real world but I'm not gonna be looking up you know I'm not gonna be like okay how long does it take to get from this place to this place (laughs) I'm like no I'm just gonna make my own town and I like the idea of my editor talks a lot about you know suspension of disbelief and with fantasy you can stretch that a little further than you can with contemporary and that's something I get reined in on a lot where it's like, okay, like, you know, we can suspend it so far, but maybe not that far. And then I have to be like, oh, fine. fine. <laughs> so I, I think I do well in the fantasy if I ever go back.
0: <laughs> so what are you currently reading and what is next on your TBR list?
1: So I'm currently finishing. I actually had started it a while ago and I had to stop reading because of my deadline, but how to find a missing girl by, uh, Victoria, I don't know I'm not pronouncing her name correctly but she's another 2023 debut and I just love her I love the cover it's so pink it's about a sapphic detective agency where when a girl goes missing um it ends up being the ex-girlfriend of you know the lead detective at the agency and then she sets out on finding her because it also may or may not tie into her sister's disappearance as well so really good um, I love it too because it has I I'd say like I love that it also encompasses a lot of like teen humor while it has a lot of serious topics of course and it's you know a thriller um it reminds me of you know how I love to write because I love writing teen humor it also incorporates a lot of that so I'm enjoying it a lot
0: very nice what's next on your TBR list
1: I have so many other 2023 debut books I really want to read. I want to, um, I'm really excited for Curious Tides, which just came out. Um, and it's just a beautiful book too. Like I just want to like reading it and I have not read Fourth Wing yet. And I know it's like a bandwagon book, but I just, I'm a hype girl and I love a hype train. And frankly, it's been too long since I jumped on one. So I and I haven't really read a lot of fantasy lately because again, I just have like a squirrel attention span, but I feel like it might be a good book to get me back in to it.
0: I feel like with Fourth Wing, we're going to go off on a little tangent here.
1: Have you read it?
0: I have. Okay. I have. And from the people I've talked to, it seems like they either love it or they're like, that just wasn't for me. There was just certain okay. things about it that just wasn't for me. I freaking loved it to be. I I trust your judgment. (laughs) To be completely honest, I freaking loved it. And it was one of those books where I sat down and I think that's all I did that day was read Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave. Like I just wanted to keep reading and it made me laugh. It made me cry. It like my anxiety was through the roof with Um, it because I was thinking certain things were going to happen. Like it was just one that I could just completely lose myself in. And like I said, I feel like people either love it or they, like I said, they're just like this. That was just not for me. But personally, I freaking loved it. My friend is reading it right now, and she was texting me last night. She's like, Oh my God, have you read Fourth Wing? I was like, Yes, and I loved it. Why? She goes, I just started it because Iron Flame's coming out. And she's like, I just, I don't, I I just, oh my goodness, like, this is really good. I need to keep reading this. Like, oh my goodness, when am I gonna finish this? I need to know when this is. I was like, just wait till you get to the end. And then text me and tell me how it is. So when you read it, you need to tell I me will, what you
1: think. I will totally be in your DMs. I think I'm confident I'll love it. And I think it's because I've heard it's very like indulgent. And I love books like that. Like, I don't think too hard, honestly. And I'm not a I don't very- either big critiquer when it comes to books um hopefully like that doesn't show in my writing but I don't know I just like if a book is like a feel-good book and it makes me feel like all the things I'm gonna like it and I also was a huge How to Train Your Dragon kid so I just feel like this could be like a great stepping stone for that
0: (laughs) I love How to Train Your Dragon okay question yes in your opinion is Toothless more of a dog
1: or more of a cat cat in my opinion yeah. yeah and not only that but toothless really reminds me of my cat I have like a cat with big green eyes and she's gray so I don't really know why but I don't know okay I was like I gotta ask you that question because yeah.
0: <laughs> everyone gives me a different answer okay <laughs> so what is the most valuable piece of advice you've received in regards to your writing
1: hmm that's such a good one too I think um I've been told before that you should always like write for yourself first and then for everybody else and like always write for yourself over the market and I think that has like really stuck with me because for a while I think I was very concerned with the market and being like you know is this gonna come out on time or even with the rosewood hunt I I was so worried, like, the treasure hunt train had left already, you know, it kind of, like, blew through, it was, like, not the Knives Out as a treasure hunt, but, you know, fortune stuff, it was, like, that, Outer Banks, Uncharted, and then, you know, the National Treasure Show reboot, but then that was all, like, last year, and, um, or like a couple years ago. So I was really nervous that like the book wouldn't be well-timed or whatever. And I think now I'm becoming more confident in the fact of if you write a book you're excited about, like people will come and readers will come. And another thing is try not to be too concerned about what other people are writing too. I definitely used to get really stressed out and I still do sometimes. Um, when I'd see like book deals get announced for books I was currently working on, And I would just be like, well, why would anyone want my book then if this book is already, you know, on its way and before me? But I just think like, instead of coming from that scarcity mindset, coming from a mindset of if a reader reads like one book, they're going to want more. And, you know, you writing that book could be exactly what they need to read next So I think that's really helped me with my writing and feeling more secure in just my ideas in general, because I'm the type of person who will convince myself out of an idea before I even write it. So I'd say those are kind of big things for me.
0: If you weren't an author and you could be anything in the world, what do you think you would be doing?
1: I so I actually originally went to college um, for like music business and I was writing songs a lot of songs so I do think like in another life maybe I would have pursued that path more seriously and become a songwriter but it would have you know called for me like moving probably to a bigger city or LA and I'm an east coast girly (laughs) and you know sometimes I think about that version of me and maybe she exists or even being like a screenwriter which could still happen but Yeah. So I guess always a writer in some aspect. I don't know if that's a cop out. Maybe I should say like a real estate agent or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's definitely not a cop out. It just goes to show that you were meant to be a writer in some aspect. So I appreciate that. If you could invite someone over for dinner, either dead or alive, who would you invite and why?
1: I think Taylor Swift, because I am a Swifty, but also I just think she like, I feel like she's one of those people where you can have like an instant connection with and it won't be awkward like that would be my worry I you know I thought of a bunch of people but I'm like maybe it'd be awkward I just feel like nothing with her would ever be awkward and there would be like so much to talk about and it would be like sleepover vibes so I love it final answer Taylor Swift.
0: (laughs) I love it now if you could invite a fictional character over for dinner who would you invite
1: Like one of my own or like anybody? Both. Both from your
0: book and then just in general.
1: I think I would write, I think for similar reasons to Taylor Swift, I would invite Leo DiVincenzi from the Rosenhunt because I just think he again, nothing is ever gonna be awkward with him ever. He will just like talk and I'll be like great. Um and also he's one of my favorite characters I've ever written. So I feel like the least I could do is like feed him um and then as for another fictional character (laughs) I think they'd kill me but I'd love to have Jude and Carden over (laughs) for like a couple that would
0: be an interesting dinner that would be a fun I mean
1: they're my favorite like characters so I feel like it'd be really uncomfortable but my other two answers were comfort answers. So I have to uh, put myself out a little bit.
0: <laughs> it would definitely be interesting having them over. It would be, that would make for a heck of an evening. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> if For those of you listening, if you know, you know. If yeah. not, we we can't explain that. We don't have enough time. But yep. okay. So what currently is bringing you joy?
1: I love I'm trying to fall in love with fall more this year I've never I'm like a summer girl through my veins um I love sunshine and I'm in upstate New York so a lot of the time here is like snowy or cold or whatever but like it's so beautiful in the summers but it's really pretty in the fall too and you know the changing leaves and all of that so I'm trying to really like it. And I've been getting more into like taking myself on little like coffee dates. Um, I work remotely, thankfully. So I can just kind of take my laptop and go work from a cafe for a little bit. So it just brings me, you know, it's so funny because sometimes I get in the mindset of like, Mackenzie, like stop spending $6 on a latte. Like you could make it at home. And I don't even like handle caffeine very well. So it's not even like a smart choice. <laughs> um, from a health standpoint, but there is just something that makes me so happy about like setting myself in a little cafe with my like little treat and my coffee and, you know, calling it a day and working from there for a while. So I think that's kind of been my thing to get me through. I
0: read this book. I don't know, it was a couple of years ago now, It was some financial book. And the guy talked about about you, about spending money and how spend your money. Like it's okay to spend your money on things that make you happy. Just Mm -hmm. don't spend your money on stuff that you get no joy or, you know, nothing out of. So like with me, I like to buy books, you know, Mm -hmm. I like to travel. I like, I'm the same thing. I like to go to a little cafe or a little tea shop and get some tea and write, you know, that's, that's what I enjoy. You know, I'm not a big clothes person. I'm not a big shoe person. So me spending you know, 20 bucks on a pair of shoes is not going to give me the same happiness as me spending 20 bucks, you know, on coffee or tea or whatever. So Mm -hmm. if you, if you appreciate that and you like those little date days with you, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah,
1: totally. And also I found it really helps like per your earlier question of, you know, how do you balance like work life, book life, all of that. It really helps with that because sometimes I'll make sure all my work work stuff is done. And then my like reward is going to a coffee shop and then doing book work instead. And having just like a different scenery for both is really helpful too.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much, Mackenzie, for being here. I am so excited and I am so happy for you. Like I mentioned to you several times, like I've been following your journey for a long time now, like even before you got your deal. And I'm so excited to see this book out in the world and it's just honestly, like this book is absolutely wonderful. And I am so impressed that this is your freaking debut. Like I cannot wait to see what you come up with. like. And I know that you're going to have a very long, incredible career. I'm very excited for you. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. And thank you so much too. I, like, I notice, like, I notice the people who have been here since the beginning and you also have been so vocal since the beginning, which, you know, not everyone is, which is so okay. Like I'm not even too, but like I appreciate it so much and it is so bright in my head like every time you would message me or be excited about it and it just is so as an author like it's so relieving to know somebody is excited so (laughs) thank you I'm your
0: hype girl for life I'm your (laughs) hype girl for life I, I, I love it congratulations
1: thank you and thank you for having me on your podcast
0: well that is it for this episode I hope you enjoyed it And before I sign off, I would just like to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune in. This has been a dream of mine for a long time, and I am absolutely honored to have you here. If you want to stay up to date on episodes and announcements, please subscribe or follow me at The Real Bookish Writer or at The Well Read Podcast on Instagram. Thank you again for listening and have a magical day. See you next week.